Our first topic today comes to us from Rich A. And Rich A writes, Hey, John and others. Hello, Rich. Uh, I hope you are doing well. We are doing well. Thank you so much. Um, Lucasfilm just dropped their trailer for Star Wars Visions today. I have to say, as both a Star Wars and anime fan, I could not be more excited. I've always felt that the anime aesthetic really works well with Star Wars, and I'm glad to see them come together. Some of the clips even gave me Kurosawa vibes. They did a little bit. Uh, Lucas have gotten some pretty big names in the anime world. Production IG and Studio Trigger stand out to me, which both bring serious sci-fi and cyberpunk credibility to the table. What are your thoughts on this? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Rich. And by the way, our friend Carlos uh, Cadeza sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Carlos. Um, here's the interesting thing. Everybody knows I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Star Wars is life. It's been my life forever. I love Star Wars. I'm not overly huge on animated Star Wars stuff. Like, I, I really do like Rebels. But even Rebels had a, a few hits and mitts here and there. But overall, I like Rebels. I'm not a fan of Clone Wars like a lot of people are. I'm not a fan of uh, the Bad Batch that they have out right now, things like that. I'm also not a big anime guy. Like, there are a number of, there are some anime things out there that I'm a big fan of, and we talked about them on the show a lot, but I'm not generally a big fan of anime. So when I saw that Star Wars and Lucasfilm was coming out with this idea of Star Wars visions, and it was going to be a bunch of individual stories told in anime style. I was like, yeah, that one's probably not going to be for me. And then the trailer came out and I'm watching this trailer. Now remember the, the, the whole point of a trailer is to raise your excitement and expectation for something. And I'm watching this and I just felt it was intense. It had this really like this, this kinetic energy feel to it. The music that they had in it was on point. And I got to say, I love the idea of it all original stories. I don't want to see, you know, the adventures of young Luke stealing pa-pa-pa beans from the <laughs> local shop at Moss Eisley. I mean, these are all... I've, one of my biggest complaint, guys, about Star Wars over the past 15 years or so has been that they're constantly shrinking the universe. Like, they're always shrinking it. And what I mean by that is you can tell by how big of a city you live in by how long does it take you to walk out your door to bump into somebody you know. If you walk out and walk around for a few hours and don't run into anybody you know, you know you're in a big town. If you open your front door and you see seven people you know, small town. And I feel like Star Wars for the past number of years has just, even though some of it's been awesome, it's still, it feels like open the door and there's everybody you already know. It's shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And this Star Wars vision seems like it's going to be something that expands the universe, gives us different stories about different corners of the galaxy and different time periods and different individuals. And I love that a lot. And this comes to us from Deadline, who writes, Disney has released the trailer and unveiled the Japanese and English dub voice cast for Star Wars Visions, its upcoming anthology series from Lucasfilm, composed of short films centered on the Star Wars universe. The series launches September 22nd on Disney+. Plus. Watch the trailer above. Lucy Liu, Neil Patrick Harris, George Takei, Allison Brie, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are among the English voice act cast for the series that tells new Star Wars stories through the singular style and tradition of Japanese anime. And that comes to us again from Deadline. Uh, and by the way, our friend Devin uh, Pangracker sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Devin. Um, listen, I didn't think I'd be interested in this. Lo and behold... I really, really am. This sounds great. Aaron, you've had a chance to check out this trailer. I think you're kind of in my boat, too. You don't automatically gravitate to anime and, and things like that, but you had a chance to see this trailer. What did you make of it? 
Well, I, I'm going to be honest. I had very low expectations for how much I would enjoy it, not for the sh- for the pro- pro- for the project itself, but for how I would respond to it. And I have to say, you're absolutely right. This trailer did everything a trailer is supposed to do. Not only did I have a pretty clear understanding of the tone and the purpose of the entire series, but also it made me someone who heard about it and thought, no, nah, that's not really for me, go, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't started watching this already. Um, You know, one of the things that I loved about it was the fact that you saw even in the trailer that each individual story is not only going to be telling a a different story, an original story, but also that it's going to be in different styles of anime. And me, Ding Dong, who doesn't know anything about anime, I didn't realize that there was such diversity within the umbrella of anime. And obviously, of course, there is so much diversity within that. I mean, it makes perfect sense within any genre. I mean, you look at the genre of comedy, and there's a million different types of comedy you could do. So of course, there's a plethora of different types of anime. And for someone like me, who is just going to be learning, you know, this is going to be my very first uh, stepping into enjoying anime. This is going to be a really exciting way for me to see all the different types and styles because, uh, you know, as we know from reading more about the project, the uh, Disney went to the top uh, anime studios in Japan and said, okay, you give me one thing, you give me another thing. And what we're also going to see a lot of, I imagine, is this is going to branch a whole new universe. I mean, this yeah, is literally going to be like the main hub, the main city all of a sudden gets all these new suburbs because Duel, one of the short films, has now inspired a new novel Ronin by Emma Condon and she actually uh, they excuse me they said yes this was inspired by Kurosawa and a lot of other uh, uh, incredible Japanese filmmakers and storytellers so I think that this is just going to be the beginning of a whole new world of Star Wars that we're going to see and I am very very excited about this. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Kim, you had a chance to see the Star I First of all, where were you've heard of it? So did you have any expectations and where those or how those expectations changed after seeing the actual trailer? Yeah, I'm always a little nervous when we talk about bringing in new things. However, for me and Star Wars, I love Star Wars, but I don't read the books. And so I get excited whenever there's a new medium that's telling the stories within the world of Star Wars because I get to learn more about it. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm not a huge anime fan, except for when I'm, when I'm with the boys. Uh, I'm on to Kim. So when I'm with my nephews, I have to get into what they're into or else I don't know right. what's going on with the kids. I would still be calling things fat with a PH if it weren't for them. So <laughs> I have to get into anime. And so I have watched my fair share of Avatar and Pokemon and Naturo. And um, so I'm really excited to see this. But I will say something. I only really watch anime with the boys. However, after I saw this, one... I love learning more about the world of Star Wars, so I'm excited about that. But two, whether the boys watch it or not, I'm watching this. And I'm not a big anime person without the kids, so I'm really excited to see this. And I love 
giving cultures a platform to share their art. And I think Disney is doing a fantastic job with inclusivity and diversity. And so I'm really excited that people like myself who maybe aren't really into Japanese anime get to explore the art form of another country, of another culture, and seeing these artists bring over into such a wide world, which is Star Wars. So I'm really excited and I shall remain the cool aunt. So... Well, there you go. Question is for you guys. What did you think about this Star Wars Visions trailer? I I was not looking forward to this thing. Now I am. That's a trailer doing its job well. What do you guys think of it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Carlos. And Carlos writes, hello there, John, and probably Rob. Actually, I'm, I'm here with everybody other than Rob. Uh, today I searched, <laughs> Rob is with uh, us in spirit. <laughs> yes. Today I searched up Reminiscence to find out the Rotten Tomatoes scores, and it's not that good. It currently has a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Either way, I'm going to go see it on Friday and, I fi- and find out for myself if it's good or not. Thanks and have an amazing day. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Reminiscence the other day. And I haven't, you know, there has, we talked about how the fact that there's just no buzz for this thing. And I have not felt that they've done a good job marketing this, what trailers they have put out that one main trailer, I I believe left a lot of the audience confused. Like they don't like, what's this movie even about? We get it. It's set in the future and you can search through people's memories or make them. Okay. But what's it about? What's the story? That's the background. That's the setting. What's this thing about? And well, now the review embargo has lifted a little bit late, but the review embargo has lifted and it's not looking so good. It was 48% when you set it in, it has dropped now down to 46%. And honestly, even people who are writing in right now, like uh, the, the critics who are writing about it, even the ones who are saying they like it, they're not saying great things about it. Like, here's an example. Th- this is one example uh, that comes to us from uh, a review on Looper. And they're one of the positive reviews. They say they like the movie, but they also write, but the film is never fully capitalizes on the idea of its sci-fi premise or promises, nor does it marry its clear love of classic film noir to a visual style worthy of the lineage that it pays lip service to. And so looking through these 46% of reviews that are actually saying they like it, even them, it just seems like they're marginally liking it. And now I have not seen this one myself. I I didn't get a a review thing for this one. So I didn't get out to see this one. It's Hugh Jackman. So obviously I'm interested if it's Hugh Jackman and it's, it looks like a Christopher Nolan film. It's not a Christopher Nolan film, but it sure looks like one. So I'm interested, but yeah, looking at these uh, things does not sound promising. It was starting to look like the studio didn't have faith in the movie. And now we're starting to see why that is. Anyway, Kimberly, where's your expectation level been for something like Reminiscence? And and does, do hearing these early reviews coming out now change the way you're feeling? Well, I got to say, any opportunity to love Hugh Jackman for something new, another reason to love him, I'll always take on. Um, 
I'm a little worried about this. However, I always like to keep in mind that a lot of films that are now cult classic favorites weren't really well received um, by critics. And so I try not to be too swayed by critic scores because I've I've definitely have a list of things that I've watched where the critics didn't like it. And I'm like, freaking why? This is now like one of my favorite films. So I'm gonna, I'm going to give it a chance. In terms of excitement factor, I got to tell you, I'm not going to go see it at the theater. Um, I have to be really choosy, especially with all the stuff that's going on right now with with what I see in the theater. Right. Um, I mean, I am vaccinated and everything, but it's just every every day it changes. And so, but also, you know, saving your coin, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to see everything in the theater. I'm probably going to take this one at home with a glass of rosé. However, like I said last time, when I read that they had used a very new scientific technology actually in the film, not writing about it or talking about it in this film, they're using a new technology of like projecting the memories and the actors are seeing it in real time. I feel like it's underutilized marketing to not show us a behind the scenes, to not give us a first look on Instagram. I mean, which is such a fantastic advertising platform to give your viewers some enticing, like, Hey, this is new. Look what we're using. Give me something a little bit more. And I feel like that was a miss in terms of the marketing. So I'm going to see it at home. I'm open to the fact that I might be sitting on my couch going, this is freaking awesome. The critics are nuts. So you know what? We'll see when we get there. All right. Aaron, you've had a chance. You know, you've seen the trailers for Reminiscence. Where's your anticipation level been? And, and you know, seeing these review numbers come out right now, uh, how does that hit you at this moment? Well, I'm going to be honest. The first, Every time that I've seen, I haven't seen any uh, trailers up until we last night when I specifically watched the trailer for the show. Um, anytime that I've seen the ads, like a bus stops and things, I always think, Oh, John Hamm has another movie coming out I, for whatever reason. Uh, like he, Hugh Jackman looked like John Hamm. And I thought, okay, whatever. Um, so I wasn't really excited. It didn't catch my attention. I don't think that the poster really captured me. Um, I really thought watching the trailer, I thought, oh, wow, this has all the elements. It has everything that you imagine, you know, a good movie would have as far as things to draw people in. Um, And so I was trying to figure out what is it about this movie that doesn't have people excited. And it seems to me, based on what I've read, is that it is all those things. It's all of those things, but too much of a good thing too much too much of too many good things you know what i mean uh whatever what i'm reading is that as people have said it's trying so hard to be a certain thing but it doesn't have one clear vision and to director lisa joy's credit this is her her first major feature film the only thing she's directed before this is an episode of westworld um so you know i believe that this is the first of probably more films that she will direct um there are always things that people learn in their first film i mean obviously having a 68 million dollar film as your first feature is pretty darn special and but when i first started watching it also i thought wow this is really giving me inception vibes well, it makes perfect sense that director Lisa Joy's brother-in-law is Christopher Nolan and her husband, Jonathan Nolan, was one of the producers of Memento and probably has had his hand in a lot of his brother's work and probably 
had a lot of pillow talk as far as, you know, working with Lisa and giving her ideas and things like that. Um, and I think that sometimes for a first time filmmaker, especially when there is that relationship involved, the other people around that filmmaker may want to be like, oh, what if we do it like this? And what if we steer you in that direction? I am curious to see what Lisa Joy will do on her next film, because I feel like this probably was a film where there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of people saying what they wanted to do. And she was not given the opportunity to give her clear vision. But I, I'm just going to predict that on her next film, uh, we have a, a little bit more of a, a clearer story. Um, maybe she will not have as many people trying to push her in one way or, the, or another. Let's face it, this is a lot of money. And when they're putting a lot of money with a first-time filmmaker, a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions. And that's what this comes across to me, is um, really good ingredients, but just way too many cooks in the kitchen. I'm looking forward to Lisa Joy's next project to see what her vision as a director is. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Have you been excited for reminiscence? I I've been looking forward to it just because of the nature of it, but the trailers didn't do anything for me, and I'm kind of not surprised to see the reviews where they at. Are you guys surprised by it? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And by the way, our friends Savage McFilthy and uh, Samuel Champion send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that very much. All right. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Caleb Densman, who writes, so it just came out that Robert Pattinson only made $3 million from the Batman compared to Christopher Hemsworth's $20 million for Thor 4. Why? I know the movies have vastly different budgets, but Hemsworth's is at least 10% of the budget and Pattinson isn't even five. Seems weird. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, one of the films that I am most excited about seeing is obviously The Batman. I, I'm stoked for it. Now, look, obviously, I what I really want Santa to leave in my abundance-sized stocking is a Ben Affleck written and directed and starred in Batman movie. That's that's what I want. That's my first choice. But if I can't have that, a Matt Reeves directed Batman movie with Robert Pattinson lead role, I'm all for it. That sounds great to me and I'm down. And yeah, a story came out that basically laid it out that Robert Pattinson has been paid $3 million for the Batman movie. Now, in a world... And Aaron, I'm sure you're scoffing at that because you make that on a Saturday afternoon. I'm sure for, for, for a guest. <laughs> I mean, $3 million. Yeah. For my salary 10 years ago, maybe. Um, yeah. So there, there's a whole bunch of, obviously a lot of actors would love to make $3 million, but in a world that we live in right now, where, you know, a bunch of people, we see these actors making 15, 20 something million dollars, right? It, it, it seems I understand why that some people would take a look and see that Robert Pattinson made three million dollars on the movie and start to scratch their head. Really big name star that everybody knows and one of the most premium IP movies coming out three million dollars. Why is that? Anyway, this comes just from the folks over at Screen Rent who write ahead of the film's release. Variety has revealed how much Robert Pattinson earned for the film. The actor netted a reported three million dollar paycheck for the film. The payday puts him as the 17th highest paid actor in 2021 behind the likes of Tom Cruise, 
Will Smith, Dwayne Johnson, and Daniel Craig. So, yes, there there is a big question mark around a lot of people right now who are asking, why on earth is he, this guy only making $3 million when we have like other actors making 20 and something plus million. Okay. So I think there's two big reasons. Reason number one is this. As well known as Robert Pattinson is, the fact of the matter is outside of Twilight, which let's face it was as successful as it was because of it was Twilight. The books were world phenomena. Everybody loved it. Everybody was going to go see Twilight. Robert Pattinson was a part of that. Yes, but nobody looks at that and thinks that movie made money because of Rob Pattinson, even though he was clearly one of the reasons. But since the Twilight time, what he has done to make him so respected in the industry is what is also going to keep his salary moderate right now. He's only appeared in small indie projects. And done incredibly well with it, you know? And he's done incredibly well with them to the point that the directors around the world are lining up to work with him. But the reality is it keeps his salary potential in check, $3 million. Whereas when the second reason I'm going to suggest it's only that much, okay, you look at Chris Hemsworth and Thor 4 making 20 million bucks. This is why Netflix will often cancel their shows after two or three seasons, Because the longer a franchise goes, the salary demands of the stars get higher and higher because they know more and more. Now I'm pivotal. If you want to keep this show going, this movie series going, I'm pivotal. And they can demand more. So you have Chris Hemsworth going into Thor Ragnarok, who had already appeared, I can't remember, in six Marvel films, maybe seven at that point. I can't remember the exact number. And the franchise literally has his character's name in it. You're going to have to pay him a lot more because I'll tell you this, guys. Robert Pattinson, if they make three of these Batman films, by the time they get to the third film, Robert Pattinson's salary will not be $3 million. But yeah, he'll be getting paid. If this if this Batman film makes like, it doesn't even have to be a billion dollar film. If this Batman film makes $700 million at the box office, $800 million at the box office, they're definitely greenlighting a sequel immediately. They're probably greenlighting a sequel at four or $500 million. Get to $700 million, sequel immediately. That makes money. Yeah, he's going to get paid down the road. And now that he is the lead in a big marquee film, his next big marquee film, Batman or not, is also going to go up. I mean, that's if this Batman film is a hit, which we're assuming it probably will be. To what degree? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it's honestly, I get it why it seems shocking to some people to see $3 million for the star of the Batman. But I think when you look at those two reasons, it kind of makes sense. Aaron, obviously you have far more experience in this sort of area than any of the rest of us do as a working actress, as somebody who's had to have, you know, uh, salaries negotiated for, you know, one-time movies, ongoing series, whatever. When you look at Robert Pattinson getting $3 million bucks for Batman, whereas somebody like a Chris Hemsworth is getting 20 for Thor... How does that shake out in your head? I say, who is his agent and how do I get that person (laughs) on my team? Because let's be real, $3 million for your first film in the franchise is massive. If we go back to Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. was not making $3 million. Scarlett Johansson, I read last night that she was paid $400,000 for her role as Black Widow. In, the fir- in Iron Man 2, which was her first appearance, which I heard at the time that it was even less than that. Nobody really knows the actual numbers. Well, nobody, you know, 
really knows. So, you know, like I guarantee you Chris Hemsworth's Thor one paycheck was not what it is for Thor four. And these projects, they're not one-offs. Okay. Like you don't sign Robert Pattinson did not sign a contract for one Batman movie. He probably signed a contract for like seven Batman movies. And then the studio has the ability to go, oh, never mind. We don't want you. Just like every series that I've ever done, I've signed a contract for seven years so that I know exactly what I will be making, not only for the pilot, which hasn't even been shot yet and may not even ever get picked up, but I know also what I'm going to be making in year five, six, and seven should that series become successful and continue. As you said, actors renegotiate their salaries all the time, so that is not guaranteed what you'd be making. You'd probably be making more, but that's what the studios would have to pay you at a minimum. So these, he's already signed on probably, I would say that Robert Pattinson has already probably signed a contract for four Batman movies at minimum. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to pay him. It's not like football or it's not like the world of sports where if you have a contract, they pay you regardless. It's okay. This is how much we promise that we'll pay you, but we don't have to pay you anything. If we do the movie and if we decide we want you to do the movie with us. So Robert Pattinson's people are like, yeah, we'll totally take the $3 million because A, that is a much, much higher starting salary for most of these franchises than most of the other now $20 million of picture stars that we're seeing in their fourth and fifth iterations. But also, they know what's coming down the pipeline. They know there's not going to be one Robert Pattinson Batman. They know that. And so they're banking on the fact that there will be multiples. And I also wouldn't be surprised if there's a back end point negotiated in there somewhere as well that we don't know about. Maybe he's getting a producer credit that they're also giving him an extra you know, amount of cash that doesn't necessarily get reported as his salary. Um, I'm not worried about Robert Pattinson's bank account at all. And I have no doubt that when the next Batman happens, and it will, that we're going to be seeing a much higher jump in numbers. But um, actually, like this is a pretty large starting salary for someone who has not been like, and I think maybe if, um, what was the movie that nobody could understand what was going on? Tenet. Um, I couldn't understand what was going on. Excuse me, (laughs) smart people. Uh, You know, it's not like Tenet blew the box office numbers, you know? So he's still technically considered a risk i think he's going to do great i think we're going to see a lot more of him in the bat suit and um like i said i'm not worried about his bank account at all kim you uh you see this you know Mm -hmm. you you look up the numbers in an age where we're hearing about actors getting 20 million you know sometimes like some of robert downey jr's contracts have netted him like 50 million bucks does it surprise you to see pattinson's getting three or does it just make sense to you it doesn't surprise me. I'm, I mean, I'm new to the industry, so this is stuff that I'm learning um, as I go. I'm, I'm listening so closely to you, Aaron, because I'm like, Aaron knows, Aaron knows. Um, but something <laughs> to not forget is that when Robert Pattinson did Twilight, the last two Twilight films, he made over $30 million for each Woo! of the last two. And that was a five-film franchise. So how many films are we into Marvel? So you kind of have to compare apples to apples here. So 
this is the first installment. And I think everyone, like you said, Aaron, with um with Black Widow, everyone's entry into this massive universe of the Marvel universe was a humble beginning. But I believe when you're humble and you're patient as an actor, what I'm learning is that good things will come to you. And what I like about Robert Pattinson is he's what he seems like to me from the outside looking in, it seems like he's the kind of actor that's more interested in negotiating his way into a film where he can prove himself as a true artist in that film rather than I'm not going to step out of my trailer unless you give me X amount of dollars. He doesn't seem to me like that kind of guy um, because you don't do really um, uh, you don't do the types of films that he has done for the paycheck. You don't do the lighthouse for $25 million. Yeah. You don't do um, good mm-hmm. time and and invest in working with these amazing indie directors like the Safdie brothers because you want X amount of money. You do it because you want to prove yourself as an artist because you want to get out there and say, look, I know I did this bubblegum project with Twilight, you know, and I know all, all the stuff around that, but let me show you who I really am. And he seems like the kind of actor that is humble enough to say three mil- okay. Okay, let me prove to if you. If only I was humble enough exact, to just accept three million dollars. You're John not Campia. humble. <laughs> you need to be more humble. If only I was humble, <laughs> I too could get three million dollars. Yeah, but, but yeah, he I, seems I, humble enough to say, you know what? Let me prove myself to the Batman fans before I get up in here talking about it. I'm not. I don't wake up for less than ten million dollars a day. You know. Yeah, well, and he's I like just not that at about that point him. in his career right now, and he knows. Can that. I? Can I? Can I just have a counter to that? Because sure. I, I hear what you're saying, Kimberly, and I, and and I, and I don't totally disagree with you, but I also, I, but you did point out something, you know, that makes a lot of sense. The fact that he, Robert Pattinson has fuck you money. <laughs> he has fuck you money from Twilight. And it reminds me of when Matthew McConaughey did Dallas Buyers Club. It is very well known that everybody got paid Schedule F, which is essentially like $65,000. It is like the min, I mean, it, it, they, like, they got paid nothing for Dallas Buyers Club. In fact, it took, I, I'm friends with the executive, with the producer of the movie. It took her years because nobody wanted to take it on. And the reason I bring this up is Matthew McConaughey did garbage film after garbage film after garbage film. These stupid bubblegum rom-coms that already was like, okay, well, Matthew McConaughey. I mean, if you had said during How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days that Matthew McConaughey would be an Academy Award winner for Best Actor within a decade, everyone would have laughed at you. But here's the thing. He did all those bubblegum movie, rom, bubblegum rom-com movies so that he could have fuck you money to do whatever he wanted to do, which was go and do the movies that really gave him that screen, that, that, you know, street cred as an artist to show, Hey, I'm doing this. My bills are paid. My mortgage is set. My kids are going to college. Now I'm going to do the stuff that I really want to do. And Robert Pattinson took, he made the smart decision that a lot of actors who start out at that high level, you know, like you said, Kimberly, they let their ego then take over and they only want to go big. He humbled himself and said, no, I've got my fuck you money. My mortgage is paid. Now let me do what I really want to do. And then that humility does come up in the end. But I think that he, when you start off with money in the bank, it's real easy, I think, (laughs) to then humble yourself. 
So for all of you out there that are like, yeah, I'll get humble when I can get my bills paid. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Let's make, let's get those let's bills remember, paid. Student let's remember this deferment. too. It's not like he was play, play, playing uh, Benjamin Schwetmop in some little corner store indie. This was the Batman role, which meant, now I know it came down to him. And what's the name of the Nicholas act? Holt. Nicholas Holt. Thank you. I was going to say, who's the actor who played BC and Nicholas Holt? I know it came down to those two, which also tells you, you no, know, Nicholas Holt isn't calling for $10 million a film either. But you got to right. know, and I think both Nicholas Holt and Robert Pattinson knew, yeah, if I say I demand $3 million in one, They've got 500 other agents with with 500 other actors ready to take this Clawing role. at the door of and Batman, like, are you kidding million? me? I'll take it. But you're right, Aaron. The Batman 2, Robert, Robert Pattinson's salary is not going to be $3 million. I guarantee you his agent probably negotiated, all right, we'll do three at one. If you guys pull the trigger on number two, his salary goes to this. And that's probably all already contractually laid out. And it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Anyway, the question is for you guys. What do you think about this? You hear Robert Pattinson is making $3 million, which is more money than I'll uh, maybe ever see in my lifetime, but he's getting that, and it's such a low number compared to some other numbers. How do you guys think about this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Gerald Upchurch, who writes... Hey, John, did you see the news that Anthony Mackie has officially signed the deal to star in Captain America 4? I personally didn't love Falcon the Winter Soldier, but I thought Mackie's new cap was pretty cool in the final episode, so I'm willing to give it a shot. But let's be honest, the real Captain America is still Steve, sure. <laughs> Honestly, though, Mackie is great. What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, this is not a big surprise for any of us. We talked a little while ago about the fact that the news came out. I think Variety might have been the first ones to break it, that they had learned exclusively that that Marvel was moving forward and developing a Captain America 4. Now, at the time, the assumption was that it was going to be Anthony Mackie's movie, that he was going to be the Captain America in Captain America 4, since at the end of Falcon the Winter Soldier, he took on the Captain America mantle. So there's that. However, they also reported that Chris Evans was already in negotiations to come back. So a lot of people speculated about whether or not maybe that's Captain America 4. Anyway, this comes to us from the folks over at Deadline who write, Anthony Mackie has closed a deal to carry the shield and his first superhero picture in Captain America 4, sources said. Kevin Feige's Marvel Studios keeps its details well under wraps, and it isn't clear whether the movie will involve Sebastian Stan, who starred with Mackie in the well-received Marvel Studios Plus limited series, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Now, one of the things they did say in deadline, and this is interesting, is that it will this will not be Captain America 4 is not the thing they were thinking Chris Evans was going to come back for. So this is going to be Anthony Mackie's movie. I think that's what most of us kind of thought it was going to be anyway. What are my thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts on this are are pretty straightforward. I agree with uh with the person who wrote in the question. Chris Evans is Captain America. Steve Steve uh, Rogers is Captain America. Everybody else is just borrowing the name. That being said, I kind of... I, look, I didn't love the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, but I liked it. And the more and more, as they got closer and closer to Sam picking up the shield, 
the more and more I was really into his character. And you know what I really loved about it? This is going to sound weird. What I really loved about it was Anthony Mackie clearly didn't have the same clause in his contract that Vin Diesel, and I love Vin Diesel, I love you, Vin, but he clearly doesn't have the same clauses in his contract that Vin Diesel does when, okay, whenever I get in a fight, nobody can even land a punch on me. I have to, Vin, I mean, Dominic Toretto beats everything and everybody, okay? He'll take out a Celestial. We'll be talking about the Eternals trailer in a second. He'll take out a Celestial, doesn't matter. But what I loved about this Captain America iteration is, okay, he's got the suit, he's got the shield, and he's fighting... Um, he's fighting George St. Pierre as Batroc the Leaper and Batroc still kicks his ass mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he gets into a fight so I love that Maggie's in there because when you have a guy playing a hero and it's like cool with me playing the role if the hero takes his licks that increases the stakes every time he's going to get into a fight bad things can happen to the hero and I found that that just made him more watchable, more likable. You're fine. You're, you're you're holding on to the edge of your seat a little bit more because you know he could get beat, right? He got beat by Batroc in episode one off the plane, and he kind of got beat at the end too. But he persevered, and he's like, and that's kind of embodies what Captain America is supposed to represent, right? It's like you may knock me down, and in the words of Steve Rogers, I can do this all day. I can do this all day. And I and he kind of started to embody that. So you know what? I still want Chris Evans to come back. I still want Evans to come back. I still want Captain Rogers as our Captain America. I want that to happen eventually. But if anybody's going to carry the shield right now for a Captain America movie, other than that, I'm totally cool with it being Sam Wilson. I'm totally cool with it being Anthony Mackie. This guy has charisma and charm for days. I started to like the character more and more as the series went on. Anyway, Kim... Yeah, you hear about this. We've all kind of assumed it anyway, but now it seems to be on the dotted line. It's done. Anthony Mackie is going to be Captain America and Captain America 4. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I'm so happy to see it. And look, this is not a 90s sitcom situation where we've got a well-known and beloved character and we switch it out with someone from with a different race and 10 years older. We obviously know mm. that Steve Rogers mm-hmm. is Captain America, but... Falcon, he's taking on the mantle still in the spirit of Captain America. And we're well aware that their paths in life, their paths in culture and society and their perspectives are very different. However, it's the spirit of Captain America that makes this so great. And I agree with you, John. That's what I love about it's going to be hard for me to not call him Falcon anymore. Um, I want to call him (laughs) Captain Falcon. Um, But what I love about his character is that there's higher stakes. I mean, when Steve Rogers got punched your only thought was, oh, no, he's down. He'll be right back up. When Captain Falcon, when Captain America, when Captain Falcon, when Captain Falcon, I'm going to call him Captain Falcon so I figure something else better. Um, but when he gets punched, I mean, he's got his wings, but those ke- those things come off. There's no super, there's no serum here, you know? So when he gets punched, you're wondering, oh, shoot, did that take him out? When he gets kicked out of an airplane, you're scared for him. Yeah. So the stakes are higher. Also, um, with Steve Rogers having that serum and kind of being invincible and being, and remember, he's so old, so he's carrying so much wisdom. You're growing with 
Captain Falcon. People are going to be like, stop. It's Captain America. Stop calling him that. Stop doing that. Um, you're, you're growing with him. When he falls, you're scared for him. And so I am excited about this because it's a different perspective. It's a different take, but with the same spirit that Captain America has. So I'm all for it. I'm interested to see who the villain's going to be because, again, um, there's fatality on this side of this version of Captain America. But I think that kids are really going to take to him. I think that they've already really established. Again, I felt like they were borderline a little preachy um, in Falcon, but they've already established his perspective on America and his perspective on taking on the mantle and um, the responsibility he's taking on. So now we can just fly with the power, with the team, with his mission. And I'm so excited to see that. I welcome it. And I I shall call him Captain America, but I'm going to find a cute nickname. Oh, you'll nickname. slip out Captain Falcon. I'm going to call him. I'm going to find a cute nickname. Um, by the way, our friend James Wheeler sends in a, like a $20 super chat batch in the live chat. Thank you, James. I appreciate that, man, very much. Um, you know, Aaron, uh, this is, you know, again, maybe has been the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Once they announced Captain America 4, most people kind of assumed it was going to be him. It's now in the dotted line. What do you think about this move? Is this a good move right now to try to headline a film with uh, Anthony Mackie as the new Captain America? I think it is fantastic. You know, Anthony Mackie has time and time again, uh, the word charismatic just keeps coming to mind, whether he's doing comedy, whether he's doing drama or, you know, or the combination of the two in the superhero franchises, uh, excuse me, in this particular superhero franchise, he really has that way of, he, he has an everyman quality to him that makes you want to be his friend. He He's very relatable. And like you and Kimberly have said, part of that relatability is the fact that you are rooting for him and you don't know if he's going to get back up. Um, and I think that his, you know, his conflict about being Captain America reflected our conflict about him being Captain America. Yeah, it's not point. like he just, and, and, and that was what I, that's part of what I, I think helps us as viewers accept him as Captain America, you know, and, and it's ringing some bells for me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that were fans of Spartacus. And I remember when Andy Whitfield was no longer going to be able to play the role of Spartacus because he was sick with cancer and he gave his blessing for Liam McIntyre to take over the role. And there was all this backlash of people who didn't really know the full story. And, you know, it was all Liam was just in this really un, this thankless position of taking over a role for someone else that he never wanted to take over. And I think even though this is not the same with actors, when you think of it with the characters, it's the same thing. Someone has to take on that mantle and they know that they're going to be compared to that previous person. And they know, and they always wonder, am I going to be able to live up to that? And, you know, the, there's so much expectation and I'm never going to be what that person was. And for, for Falcon to go through that conflict on screen of becoming Captain America that really made me go, oh, wow, he's not just stepping into it like, uh, what's his face, uh, Russell, uh, Wy uh, Wyatt Russell, his character in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think that was one of the reasons why I hated him so much is he just jumped in and was like, I'm Captain America. I was like, no, you're not. You are not. Like, you got to get some of that Kimberly slice of humble pie. You are not Captain America. So I love the fact that, you know, uh, that Anthony Mackie's Falcon 
really allowed us to accept him accept our conflict of him being Captain America because he had his own conflict about it. And so I'm really curious how uh, that's going to continue to play into the in, into uh, Captain America, the, the, his standalone um, film. And I like how they also allowed us to get used to the idea in the series and then had the film. I don't think, I don't know if I would yeah. be, as excited about the film if I hadn't seen his process in Falcon Spot on, Soldier. Aaron. I, yeah, yeah, I, agree. I totally now, agree, Aaron. It brings up another interesting question about, and they brought it up in the email that they sent in. What about Bucky? What about Winter Soldier? And, you know, some people, I've already seen some online discussions about, you know, justice for Bucky, you know, Bucky <laughs> should be. But I, I would suggest this. I think... Well, I do believe that they're going to do another season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, except now it's going to be called Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I think we're going to see another season of that at some point. But I think, and who knows, there's no real information right now if Sebastian Stan is going to be in, in this Captain America 4 as Bucky again. If they were to ask me, because you know Kevin Feige is asking me in my opinion all the time. He's he's calling. I mean, and say, you guys were texting right before the show. I mean, yeah. It's like, John, I don't know what to do about this. Please help. Don't worry, Kevin. Thank I got God you back. he has you, oh, John. God, <laughs> you know he said that a lot. Um, but <laughs> I would probably say, and I again, I don't know if Sebastian Stan's going to be in Captain America four. I kind of hope he isn't, because I think you you run the risk of painting him exclusively as a sidekick character. Yeah. And I personally think they have bigger plans for him. Like, look, is winter soldier going to be the next iron man? No, but I think they have bigger plans for, you know, Bucky in the MCU than just being painted. Well, first you were Steve sidekick and now you're, you know, Sam sidekick. So I can see them doing captain America four without Bucky and then doing like a season two of the series and have the two of them as partners again. Right. So I could see that going. So I think they should stay away from having him in Captain America four. That, that's just my guess. I know, Kim, what do you think? Do you think he should be there or not? Or what do you think? I was pondering that last night and I was thinking about, okay, wait a minute though. In the first Captain America, he was with his team. I call him the Rough Riders just because that one guy looks like Teddy Roosevelt. Right. <laughs> um, I call him Rough Riders. Um, but if you think of all the Captain America movies, he was never completely alone. You know, he had his Rough Riders and then he had Black Widow and then um, and then he had the whole Avengers team. So so he, Steve never really had a complete solo. It's just me fighting the villain. There was always someone else. So I think maybe they'll introduce some of the young Avengers in this and he'll be in a mentorship role. And I don't think it would take away from anything if there are added characters fighting alongside him as long as they're not. Uh, I, and I don't think they'll do this as all put anyone in a position to overshadow him because if you think of it, Steve Rogers was never completely alone. So I'm not going to be mad at that, but I will say if Steve ever fights along him uh, alongside him again, I'm going to have to hear it on your left because tears will shoot out of my eyeballs like they did in <laughs> Endgame um, and, and warm my heart to no end. But no, I think it'll be fine for All right. For well, listen, I just looked at the, we could talk about this for a while longer, but I just look at the time we've got to get going because we still have another main topic we have to cover. Question is for you guys. 
What do you think about this? I mean, most of you probably suspected it was going to be Anthony Mackie's Captain America 4 anyway. Now it seems like it's signed on the dotted line. How do you guys feel about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do a fifth main topic here today, shall we? Really, this is more of an off the top, but we're going to cover it here as a main topic, and that is this. You guys know that the movie that Kevin Feige has most been pumping and promoting has been Eternals, which is why I suspected that Black Widow and Shang-Chi would probably be okay. And sure enough, Black Widow was okay, and I expected Shang-Chi to be okay. It's so much more than okay. Shang-Chi is so effing good. Anyway, but all Kevin Feige's been talking about is Eternals, talking about how it's going to be a Best Picture nominee, like Chloe's out and amazing. Yeah, every, you, People aren't going to believe this. And, you know, that first trailer came out, that big trailer came out, and I really liked it, but it didn't capture everybody's imagination, right? It was like a little introduction. It's like, here are these characters coming. Well, a brand new, what they are calling the final trailer for Eternals dropped this morning. I lost my mind watching this thing. I absolutely lost my mind watching this. I the the, the first of all the I hate using this word cuz it's such an overused word, but I'm going to pull it out here guys. The epicness of it. This galaxy spanning, time sprawling, all powerful yet only observing <laughs> kind of beings, and they 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 threw in the action in there. They, you know, the big question after the last one was, well, why didn't they help with the Thanos fight? Why didn't they do this? Well, that's answered. We got our orders. Now they did a little trick in it, where she says, you know, we were ordered not to interfere except for things where deviants were involved. And by the way, am I guys in the live chat? Was I the only guy in the world who I confused for a moment deviants from variants? Because I was thinking, <laughs> wait. <laughs> so what? They're only going to get involved if, if 50 Lokis show the up. People and in the tan jackets show up. I'm in trouble. I totally took this place. Only like a 100 Lokis show up. Only then do the Eternals get over this. Oh, yeah, Deviant is different from various. And I had it a little bit confused in my head. Anyway. But, you know, we only get involved with these with these deviants, which is, of course, kind of the counterparts to, to the Eternals. And then they did what I think is a little bit of a trick. Because when somebody says, who ordered you that you can't get involved? And then it cut to that scene of the Celestial. Of course, the Celestials are the one who created the Eternals. You're like, oh. And it's, you know what? I thought at first, I totally didn't. I even talked about this in the chat board. I thought at first that the Celestial we saw was Eson the Searcher, or the Eson the, the, the Searcher, or the Seeker. Um, the same one that we saw, the same Celestial that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy as the one who had the power stone in Tavon's story and him destroying only beings of incredible power can wield it. And you see him destroying a world because I was thinking in my head that in guardians of the galaxy, Eson was red. He was not the one we actually saw here was Arashim, the judge who is another big time celestial. But here's my theory. Here's my theory. My theory is when they talk about the emergence, she goes, the power of the unsnapping, or suddenly half-life in the universe reappearing, create an energy that has started the emergence. Or the, was it, yeah, the emergence. The emergence or the emerging, I can't remember, one of the two. 
And I think that they're not working for the Celestials. I think the emergence is something that's going to cause the return of the Celestials, mm-hmm. which if we go back to Eson in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's just walking around wiping out worlds. That's bad news. Now, maybe that's not the case. Maybe they truly are working for a Celestial because in the comics, that's how it is. But I think that little cut edit in the trailer is a misdirect. I think it's a misdirect. We say, well, then who commanded you not to? And then it cuts to uh, Arsham, the judge, and it cuts to him. I think that's a misdirect. Really? Yeah, I think I think they're trying to pre- maybe prevent him from returning. I'm not sure. I, again, it's way too early to kind of to t- kind of guess on this. By the way, Peter Cunnington sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thanks a lot about, for that, man. I really appreciate that. Um, but the the humor in it was great. The action looked intense. I love the fact that it seems like since there hasn't been any deviant activity, they just all went their separate ways for hundreds of years and they haven't seen each other. I like that you see them tracking each other down again and all this kind of stuff. I, I just, it felt, again, I hate using the word, but I will use it. It felt epic. Now, again, We've seen lots of trailers, great trailers to bad movies. So, I mean, Eternals may suck. It's got the reigning defending best director in the world right now in Chloe Zhao. She still has that title. So she's the reigning champ and she's directing it. So you got to give it the benefit of the doubt. The fact that Kevin Feige has been gushing about it for so long. But the last trailer was not the one to get everybody hyped. This seems to be the one to be getting everybody hyped. Now, Aaron, I'm going to pick on you here for a second because I know you don't spend all your free time researching and going into and watching everything you can on the history of the Celestials in the MCA in the MCA in the MCU <laughs> universe. Celestials is like all I care about. Uh, but so, as somebody from that perspective, you had a chance to watch this trailer this morning. What did you think of it? <clears throat> Meh. Really? Not going to lie. I know. I know. And here's the thing. People go, I don't understand why Aaron is on the John Campia show. She adds no value. I will tell you the value that I add. I am the other side. Okay. (laughs) I am not a fan girl. I do not read all the comic books. I do not read the graphic novels. I do not know. I don't know who the Celestials are. I don't know. the, The first thing I ever heard about the Eternals was the, was this movie. So I am coming at it from the non-fangirl perspective, and you can all scream at me later. It's fine. But what I felt when I watched this trailer was, oh, man, I'm really burned out on superhero movies. (laughs) That's what I felt, because honestly, I was like, oh, someone's shooting lasers out of their eyes. Oh, someone's going like that and like fire or whatever is coming out of their hands and they're pushing back a bad guy. Oh, it's really epic and it travels through time and space and it's just like i not being a fan of the story and not being really invested in the story i'm just kind of like oh okay it just sort of seemed like every other big epic you know uh, it just uh honestly yeah, and listen, yeah, you you represent a big chunk of the average moving going audience, so that's how it hit like if you. I, like, that's the thing, is that because there are a lot of people out there like me who don't know who the Eternals are and who don't know who the Celestials are, you know, they're li- 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 looking at it going, okay, well, 
Right. But why is this movie any different from all of the other movies where people are shooting lasers all over the place and people are traveling through time and space and, you know, doing really cool things and wearing cool costumes and having big fights? I don't know how it's any different. I really don't. So I feel like this is a great trailer for people who are fans of the fran- of the of the the story and who are already emotionally invested as someone who is not already emotionally invested it this trailer didn't really give me any reason to be and I watched it twice because I was like wait a minute why did that guy from Game of Thrones change his accent halfway through and then I was like oh no it's two guys from Game of Thrones and they look exactly the same <laughs> and, well, the same there's- person uh, this one perspective, <laughs> Kim, you had a chance to see Eternals. I mean, I obviously completely loved it. Aaron was very mad on it. You're the tiebreaker here. What did you think about the Eternals trailer? Oh, God. I, was, I don't know. I think she loved my it. response was, oh, my God. 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 I was so excited. I watched the trailer at 1.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> I've seen it six times between now and when I showed up at the studio today. I am so excited for many a reason. One, Chloe's out. I I love Nomads. And for anyone who hasn't seen it and maybe you don't like independent films or slower films, please invest the time to watch Nomadland because something that I am expecting from her, and I get you, Aaron, I feel you, I feel you on the angle of, oh gosh, another superhero movie. Because I was like, is Icarus and Superman, are they cousins? Like, is is there a, a crossover? Because they're they're both sharing powers. However, something that Chloe Zhao, I, I've seen from her just in Nomadland, is bringing humanity to another level. And I feel like, what kind of what Marvel's really known for and very good at is bringing these larger than life characters and making them seem like one of us, but with powers instead of like the, the, the flesh of a human. They really bring humanity. Marvel's great at that. But Chloe Zhao, God, Nomadland, I felt like I was on this journey with people who are living out of their vans. And, and I'm expecting that from her. I saw a little bit more of that and just the humanity between their conversations. I mean, Fasto's shops at Ikea. How much more human can you get than that? <laughs> um, and he enjoys the fall collection. So do I. Um, but I'm so excited for this because, yes, it's a superhero movie. And yes, this is another movie with not just one superhero. There are many. I I, mean, I don't even know how many are on the team of the Eternals. What is it? Is it seven or something? Um, I think there's 10 on the poster. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a lot. However, it's the humanity. It's it's going to be the relatability. We've got love. This is, um, I believe, was it Kevin Feige that said that this is really going to be the first love story? You've seen romance a little bit in the MCU, but this is going to be the first MCU movie that, is a love story, you know? And so I'm excited to see this for so many reasons. The, the I'll end with this because I could go on and on about my theories and how I agree with you and maybe it's a misdirect, but I will end with this. What I'm most excited about is that not only is Angelina Jolie in this, but she's not the lead. And I didn't get that from mm. the trailer that she's the lead. I love that Jimmy Chan is the lead. And I actually like Angelina Jolie more as being a team member with a bunch of amazing people and not 
the lead of this. Cause even though she's, I mean, let's face it. She's the biggest name. However, I felt like she was one of the guys. She wasn't, I'm Angelina Jolie. This is my Marvel movie. And I mm-hmm. respect that about her. And I like her for doing that and not coming in. And, you know, like our friend Vin Diesel, our family member saying, I have to be the lead. She's like, let me be a part of this team. And so there's so many different reasons and elements, but I'm, I'm here for the storytelling and Chloe Zhao bringing us onto a level with these larger than life beings that we can relate to. And so I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. No need for espresso this morning. Yeah. Here's, here's another. Good. I'm energized. (laughs) Here's another interesting thing to to consider. They are calling this the final trailer, right? That was weird too. But I like that because don't tell me everything. Give me mystery. But here's, here's why I find it interesting because, and and by the way, uh, our friend uh, Bartleby Shrivener sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, Here's the interesting thing. There has been a lot of discussion about whether some of the higher profile films are going to get pushed more because of the the Delta variant and all that kind of stuff. I think it actually, I think Disney just basically showed their hand. I think Disney just basically showed, not this thing's releasing on schedule. Or at least, (laughs) you know, not its original schedule, but this thing is releasing now on the schedule that we have it on. This is coming out when we are now saying it's coming out. Um, because if they were, I think if they were even questioning that right now, I don't think they do a make a big deal out of releasing the final trailer, everybody. I think if they thought there was like a 30% chance we may push this movie into 2022, then they, then they don't put this trailer out right now. I think they sit on it for a few more weeks or, or at very minimum, put it out and just call it another trailer. Right. I think by coming out and not just putting it out, by coming out and saying final trailer, Eternals, here it is. I think they just basically revealed that they're hell or high water. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but I think given circumstances, I think that shows us they're planning on just keeping it where it is. I don't know, Kim. I mean, look, you never know what's going to happen, right? Like the, the world, the situation, the world can change tomorrow for sure. But all other things being equal, Aaron, do you agree with me? Do you think this is kind of a sign that Disney is saying, hey, until something massive changes, our plan is still to release this thing when it is? Or do you think it's still very volatile right now? Well, no, 100%. Because how often do you really hear studios talk about the final trailer or the first of seven trailers? You know, like that, That's kind of just strange wording. Excuse me, strange wording that instead of just saying, "Oh, here's the next trailer," they they sp- had to specify the final one. That is very telling. Uh, when is the release date for this? I no- believe November seventh. Yeah, it's a little over two November, months away right now. It's a little over little November seventh. I believe that's or- when King Richard comes out. So I definitely okay, will I'm not wrong. be seeing this opening. <laughs> like hell no! I compete with Angelina. Tell you right now where my butt's going to be in the theater seeing King Richard. Thank you very much. Um, no, I, I I will because it's Chloe Zhao, and because. I'll need to talk about it on the show. Obviously, I will see Eternals, but um, yeah, I do imagine that they're going to keep it according to schedule. And do we know if this is right now saying in theaters only, or is this going to be yes, in theaters right, right as now? Well as- right now, as of right now, it is it is still uh, being promoted as a theatrical only release. And I, like, okay. I think that could see that part could change depending on what happens with Shang Chi, because Shang Chi, if Shang Chi can come out. And like 
I'm not expecting it can match the opening weekend numbers that, say, Black Widow did, because Black Widow is a character who's been around in the MCU almost since the beginning. Not in the beginning, but almost since the beginning. Um, She's been around a long time. It's one that people were looking forward to a lot, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if Shang-Chi can come out and make the same opening weekend numbers that Black Widow did, I think that's going to be very confidence boosting for the folks at Disney to believe, oh, okay, we just had this brand spanking new character come out and our word of mouth pushed it to like Black Widow numbers. We can keep Eternals exactly where it is theatrically. Um, I think Shang-Chi will probably make less than Black Widow, but how much less does it have to make than Black Widow in order to make Disney panic and pull it from being a theatrical only thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I Listen, I don't know. I don't think Shang-Chi will make as much as Black Widow, but I think it'll be close. Like, I think it'll be more- Worldwide? Like, no, like even on its domestic opening weekend. Like say on its domestic opening weekend, like Disney was thrilled with Free Guy making 28 million, you know, on the on its opening weekend. I think Shang-Chi will exceed that. I think Shang-Chi oh, will yeah. pull in like over yeah, 35 million. And especially with the word of mouth, because- like last night across the country, I believe it was in 20 something cities. They had special advanced screenings for fans to go and watch. And the response has been bananas. The but also for the culture. What's that? For the culture. Yeah. I, I have a friend that doesn't, she doesn't watch comic book movies. And she's like, I am so excited to see this with my family because the representation is so important, just like Black Panther did for the black community. You had a lot of people that weren't, yeah, I'm not much of a comic book movie, but I, this is for the culture. And so I'm, I'm so excited for the Asian community and for them to have this representation. I think a lot of people that aren't so much Marvel people are, are really going to invest and go, go see it for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I oh, I have oh seen. Oh my god, I can go on and on. I have seen Shang Chi like, twice <laughs> already, and I'm seeing it a third time next week. Aaron, you're watching it next week with me. Yeah, I can't wait to watch this for a third time. Oh my god, this movie's so good. I'm anyway. so. By the way, I Aaron, I am so jealous. So yeah, jealous. You should be. I was going to offer to like <laughs> watch. Be. Can I watch I think your baby? Everyone should be jealous. Will you give me the ticket? I'll watch CinemaCon. Stop it! You can drop the Stop dog it. off at my house, and I will give you free babysitting for the first year <laughs> of your child's life. If you would just please share your ticket with me. <laughs> hey, man! I, 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 you know what? I will. If, if, if we can, like, if we can do a Freaky Friday and switch bodies for just a moment, <laughs> then I will let you have the first dibs on seeing Shang Chi in Vegas next week. You got it. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I cannot wait to watch this again. I, I anyway, but if it again bringing it back to Eternals. I think, uh, yeah, I think if Shang-Chi does well, because I can't remember off the top of my head. Let, let me just look this up for a second here. Uh, Black Widow box office. I can't remember exactly how much it made opening weekend. I think it was like its opening weekend at the domestic box office, I think was 60. I could be wrong about that. No, it was 80. It's opening weekend at the box office was 80. Is that real? Yeah, it was 80. Damn, that was big. Yeah, I don't expect Shang-Chi to make 80. I do not expect Shang-Chi to make 80. I think it'll probably get somewhere... If I had to guess, I'm going to guess somewhere between 35 and 50. And I think if Shang-Chi can make 35 to 50 opening weekend, I think that will cement that Eternals will stay theatrical only. Because I think yeah. then they'll believe that 
they can really recoup money. At and that it's point. the holidays too. Do you think that will drive the fact that it's around the holidays and people just is naturally really like to do that? Really around the holidays? So I like mean, November fifth? <laughs> is that? Oh yeah, holidays are starting earlier and people are really traveling this year. The holidays? I'm not sure. For me, as soon as I get pumpkin spice, it's holidays. The last two years, like what are we really even doing here? And then of course, like there's a lot of people like me that will also be going to see the uh, Aaron Cummings starring, you know, King Richard with her co-star, Will Smith. Day yeah, one, we'll Aaron, day one. Aaron Cummings and featuring Will featuring Smith. Featuring appearance by Will <laughs> He's Smith. He's so lucky to have you, Aaron. He's so yeah, of lucky. Of course, we're going to be going to see that as well. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you guys uh, think about this whole new final trailer for the Eternals, did you love it? Did you hate it? Are you somewhere in between? And what do you think it says about the actual release date in early November? Does it just releasing it now and saying final trailer? Does this kind of tip their hand to us that it is indeed going to stay on that release date? And what do you think about the possibilities of it remaining as a theatrical only film? Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump on down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that out of the way, we're now going to move on and start taking your live comments and questions. But before we do, we're going to let Aaron and Kim go because we've we've gone a bit over time here. We're almost at the time when they need to go anyway. So in the meantime, Aaron, thank you for being here. Where can people follow you and all of your stuff online? Well, clearly all I'm going to be doing for the next hour is like taking Joey out for a walk and picking up Sammy's cat hair ball that just fell on the floor. I mean, just like <laughs> these animals are killing me. I got to get back in the studio because I got to get out of this place. Um, but other than walking the dog and picking up after the cats, you can find me um, on Instagram at Aaron L. Cummings or babylist.com slash baby if you want. Um, and I am going to be next week so excited to be in Vegas with my friend John Campia for CinemaCon. And uh, John, we're going to be we're going to be sharing a lot of really cool stuff with everybody next week. So I hope that you guys will tune into all the fun things that we have to offer. And Kim, I will be contacting you about uh, a Freaky Friday seance that we can do for us to body place. Yeah, and by, this is a good time to remind everybody that next week, um, you know what, I, I think we will, I'm not 100% sure if there's going to be a John Campy show on Monday. There still might be a John Campy show on Monday. But there's not going to be a John Campion show on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Instead, what you're going to be seeing from us is uh, we're going to be doing daily videos from Las Vegas CinemaCon as all the studios other than Disney, but all the rest of the studios are going to be in Las Vegas for CinemaCon doing big two-hour presentations, showing us advanced footage, new trailers, all this kind of stuff about all their movies coming up over the next coming year. And we're going to be doing rundowns for you guys on all the stuff. And by the way, I am, I'm calling it right now. During Sony's two and a half hour presentation, I am calling it. They're going to show us the first Spider-Man Far or No Way Home trailer. I, I, have, I am. Nobody from the studios told me that. But I feel 100% confident that we're going to get the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer at CinemaCon. Can't wait to tell you guys about it. But yeah, keep you guys eyes open for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, Aaron, thanks for being here. And Kimberly, thank you for being here. Where can people follow you and all of your stuff online? Yes, of course. So my YouTube is What's Good Kimberly. And my Instagram is Was Good Kimberly. It's W-U-Z-K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. Stop by, say hello, join the conversation. 
All right. Thank both of you for being here so much. Let's do this again. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, guys. We still have time here left today, so let's keep right on going through your live comments and questions, shall we? still got a bit of time, so let's keep hitting it up. Let's start off things here with Ben Rayner, who writes, Hey, John, I saw your quick out-of-the-theater review for Shang-Chi, and it got me excited. On a different topic, I just saw the trailer for Disney Star Wars Visions, and I have to say I am really excited for this. I love Rebels. And like what I've seen of Bad Batch, yeah, I, I like Rebels. I wasn't a big fan of Bad Batch, to be honest with you. Um, and what I've seen of Clone Wars, I like, but this, Visions, looks different, and I love the animation style. I love uh, that they are stepping out of their comfort zone for this, and I hope they continue with anime. I love the other stuff, too, but variety uh, is good, and Visions looks different, so I say bring it on. Anyway, thanks for the show, and keep bringing the sweet, sweet filthy. Well, yeah, listen, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, about this Visions trailer. Again, I was not really looking forward I was not really looking forward to it all that much. And yet it's, it has totally caught my attention. I love the trailer. We talked about it earlier in the show, so I totally dig it. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic as well, Ben. All right. Next up. Um, oh, wait a second. I think we already, we had this covered on yesterday's show. I think I need to move forward a bit here. Hold on a second. Give me a second to see where we're at. Cause I think we answered that on yesterday's companion video. Um, let me just give me one second here to see if I can find where we left off. Give me a moment here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I knew we had already answered a bunch of these. Hold on a second. Um, I left off right where we were yesterday. And okay, we had that. This is some entertaining stuff right here, guys. I've seen that. Um, Okay, here we are. Now we are caught up. Okay. We are going into an anonymous... Oh, wait a second. I totally lost... I lost my place, guys. You know what, guys? I'm going to get this all straightened up. I'm going to get uh, the questions all straightened up. I think they sent me over the wrong document. Let me just go and straighten this up. Give me about two minutes here to get this all straightened up, and then we'll pick back up with the live viewer questions, shall we? So hang tight. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Okay, guys, and we are back. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, they accidentally sent me the wrong document. Okay, they sent us the old document. Now I've got the new document. So let's keep on going here, shall we? We're going to get things going with um, an anonymous viewer who writes, Hey, John, I know you don't review video games, but have you seen the War for Wakanda DLC for the Avengers game? It is so awesome to finally have a video game that has this level of cultural diversity, but this uh, could this lead to more games uh, just like Batman? Thanks. Um, I Listen, I don't follow. All I know is that when that Avengers game initially came out, a lot of people were not all that happy with it. Uh, my buddy Ryan plays it a lot, and he likes it, but I, I have never even heard of the War for Wakanda DLC. By the way, I, I just, I'm allergic to DLC. I think DLC is killing the video game industry, but that's just me. But, um, yeah, I've not, I've not, I'm not aware of it. I'm not familiar with it. So I can't really give my whole, um, uh, uh, perspective on it. So you guys in the live chat and in the comment section, if you, uh, are familiar with war for Wakanda, jump in and let anonymous know what you think. All right, next up, we got Ryan Loner who writes, 
Call me Storm Shadow. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be joining Buckaroo Banzai, Skeletor, the Mario Brothers, M. Bison, the Golden Compass crew, the live-action Azula, Tom Cruise's Mummy, and the New Mutants in that incredible sure-to-happen sequel. Yeah, it it, it really, it's true. I, I mean, Andrew Koji as Storm Shadow was the best part of Snake Eyes. Storm Shadow was the victim in Snake Eyes multiple times. He was a victim and then he was a victim again. He was constantly getting screwed over by Snake Eyes. Who, who Snake Eyes was the villain of the film. It's not a good thing when your hero of the movie is actually the villain of the movie. Um, and yeah, it's just too bad. It's too bad. Because listen, I would love to see another movie with uh, Koji as, as Storm Shadow. I would love it. But there is no way no way they're going to make a sequel to this unless it's a low-budget direct-to-home video thing. There's just no way they're going to do it, which is really too bad. All right, next up, uh, we've got The Sock Rights, one of two. I'm so happy to see all the love for movie scores. Uh, here are some pieces that I was so infatuated with that I arranged them and played them for violin. Nice. Number one, difficult. One piece, the anime. Two, uh, Fiora Walzer, a cure for wellness. Oh, the music in that was really good, actually. Uh, three, the entire score of Rule of Rose, a very obscure game for the PS2. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. The first two quite were uh, the first two quite were difficult to play on a technical level and to arrange for solo parts as well. Yeah, man, I can't, I mean, I can play guitar, right? Like I can pop out my guitar and play a bunch of tunes. I can't pull out my guitar and start playing the theme music and scores from, from music. If you can do that with your violin, man, that's awesome. That is truly awesome and truly impressive. So thanks for sharing that, dude. All right, next up, Jonathan writes, second episode of What If Was Better? It was. It was, uh, but still, man, animation still bothered me. Same with uh, voice acting, except for Chadwick surprised to see Thanos, but I felt very nerfed. Uh, I felt they nerfed him. It all feels so cartoony. Yes. I know it's an animation. I watched for Chadwick. Yeah. I listen. I watched the second episode of what if as well, and it, it was better. I still don't think it was great. It was beautiful hearing Chadwick Boseman's voice again. Um, again, not great, but I thought it was better than the captain, captain Carter one. I did not like what they did with Thanos in it. Like, I'm sorry. Thanos would not have lost a fight to those two. two. He just wouldn't have. He's the most powerful being in the universe. According to the first guardians of the galaxy movie. Right. I love what they did. Uh, with the Jaimon Hansu character. I thought that was a really cool twist and everything. Had a little bit more fun to it, a little bit more humor. I, it took advantage more of the what-if idea. Still not great, but I thought it was an improvement. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll see how they develop from here. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Uh, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, one of two, John et al. I tried to give all DC and Marvel TV shows a good effort. Unfortunately, all are not created equally. Well, that's true. Stargirl is definitely on the lower end of the spectrum, in my opinion. I feel they have a mantra. Why act when you can overact? Uh, okay, so let's go to part two here. Uh, I feel bad for Luke Wilson and Amy Smart. Uh, this was written by, I love Amy Smart, by the way. Love, 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 love Amy Smart. Uh, this was written by Jeff Johns. Do you feel the writing is so bad for TV because it would play better in a comic book medium? Uh, is that a thing? Thanks for all your co uh, great content and discussion. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I tried Stargirl 
because I really like Luke Evans and it was really a pleasant surprise to see Amy Smart in there too. I love Amy Smart. Did I say that already? I love Amy Smart. Um, not just for like the crank movies, but what's the name of that romantic comedy she does with Ryan Reynolds? Is it Just Friends? Have you guys seen that? Just Friends with, I think that's Amy Smart and Ryan Reynolds in that. Just Friends is so fun. It's so funny. Yeah, Marcus Wise confirming it is Just Friends. It's such a fun movie. I love that one. I really thought it was great. Was it in, two, Yellow Flash is saying Just Friends came out in 2005. Was that 2005? Seriously, was that 16? No. No. Was that 16 years ago? Are you guys telling me that was 16 years ago? Ben Rayner is saying, yeah. Oh, shit. If you had asked me when did Just Friends, this is why I'm no good at movie release dates. If you had asked me when Just Friends came out, I would have said seven years ago, 16 years ago, huh? Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't, I just can't wrap my head around that. That's ridiculous. Anyway, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I gave up on, um, uh, I gave up on, star girl after three or four episodes, it just wasn't working for me. Just wasn't working for me. So I can't say whether it was great or not, but anyway, again, I gave it a shot. Uh, Luke Wilson, Amy smart. Yeah. But I couldn't just couldn't, I couldn't keep watching it. I just couldn't keep watching it. That's just me though. All right. Thanks for writing that in garden. Uh, next up, we got Dave XP who writes the what if series are fun enough. However, the lip sync is what brings me out of the show the most. It seems very rough and not properly synced to the dialogue most of the time. It's too bad because I believe the body mechanics animation is quite good. I'm going to be honest with you. I very rarely, if ever, pay attention to lip sync when it comes to animation. Very, very rarely. Like as long as words are being said as the mouth is moving, Whatever shapes the mouth take, I usually don't mind. As long as it's not like something along the lines of, we should go running over there. If we get there in time, we can see the Apple store. As long as it doesn't do that, I'm okay. Did you guys like that? Was that good? Anyway, I, I'm that's something I should do on an OnlyFans page. You guys, shut up. I know you guys are thinking dirty thoughts. You just stop. But uh, yeah, and so if it's not great lip sync, it, it normally doesn't pull me out of it, to be honest with you. So I haven't even noticed it, but I, I will go back and watch it again. I'll see if I can notice that as well. Thanks for putting that on my radar, Dave. All right. Uh, next up, Mr. Burns writes, one of two or three. Hey, John, I just uh, just to applaud and wonder how Wes Anderson is able to get these fantastic actors slash actresses for all of his movies. The French Dispatch is about to come out, and this one j just has a fantastic cast. He was able to get Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, William Dafoe, Jeffrey Wright, Ed Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Timothy Chalamet, and Tilda Swinton, just to name a few. And then next... His next movie is already filming, and he's able to get Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, and even Brian Cranston, not to mention a few other actors that have been in his past movies. I always look forward to watching his movies, and I'm just amazed at the cast he's able to get. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things here. One, and maybe the main thing, is that 
Wes Anderson has developed a reputation that actors love working with him. Uh, and by the way, uh, speaking of love working with people, we've got a super chat badge came in from Marie Seifring. Thank you for that, Marie. And also a super chat, a fifty dollars super chat badge got sent in by uh, Misha Q eighty two. I like that. Misha Q eighty two sends in like a fifty dollars super chat badge. Thank you so much. That is incredibly generous. Thank you for supporting our channel on that level. That is incredibly nice of you. Um. Uh, anyway. What were we even talking about? Sorry, I was just thrown off by the generosity of that. Oh, yes, Wes Anderson. Um, so Wes Anderson has developed a reputation that the actors love working with him. And so that reputation has gotten around Hollywood. Actors just love working with him. So you combine that with the fact that Wes Anderson makes characters that actors really want to play. And they so they're willing to come in, not take their top dollar, not take their regular going rate and they're willing to come in to play a really good character that they would love to play. His movies don't shoot for long. It's not like he has three month shooting schedules or four month shooting schedules. So these guys are usually able to come in and shoot their, their roles fairly quickly, work with a director that everybody likes to work with and be in a, in a movie that has a very good chance of being around when Oscar nomination season comes. So with all those things together, yeah, it makes for a guy who doesn't really have a hard time getting some really big name actors to be in his stuff. All right. Next up, uh, Brazilian dude writes, one of my most anticipated movies this year is next goal wins by Taika Waititi, uh, starring Michael Fassbender boy, Michael Fassbender needs a good one right now. Anyway, uh, my buddy works in the industry and here's, it's absolutely brilliant. What are the chances that they shelve this because of army hammer? Yeah. Let me bring something up here. I was just about to ask that whole second. Um, uh, uh, next goal wins IMDb. Yeah. Because first of all, let's talk about Michael Fassbender just for a second. Michael Fassbender is a great actor, but he has appeared in crap film after crap film. Anybody remember the snowman? Oh my God. Light between oceans. Oh my God. Like he just appeared in a number of really, really bad films in a row. He uh, assassins creed. Anyway, um, he has not had the best luck in picking the right roles to play. Which is unfortunate because the dude is unbelievable. He's an unbelievable talent. He really is. But, man, he needs a win. Taika Waititi, the guy's great. I mean, it's, the movie's also got Elizabeth Moss, which is amazing. You know, her work on The Handmaid's Tale, insane. Insane. But it also has Army Hammer. It also has Army Hammer as one of the main guys in the movie. And that is problematic right now. That's really problematic right now. Army Hammer's name in this industry right now is absolute persona non grata. Disney is struggling with it as well because Disney doesn't know, Disney and Fox don't know what the hell to do with Death on the Nile. They're sitting on this movie trying to figure out what do we even do with this movie now? And now, and then another one like Next Goal Wins, and I don't know what happens to it. I really don't. And, oh, geez. I just think this type of stuff moving forward 
is really going to make, whether you look at Johnny Depp drama or you're looking at Army Hammer, Army Hammer drama or, or anything else, I think more and more, because you know what's happened in professional athletics lately? In professional sports, more and more and more, when a team is thinking about getting a player, they will actually like hire private investigators and really dive deep into that player's life to find out is this going to bite us in the ass? Let's look at his patterns of behavior and past incidents. Can something come up that will really hurt us later on just because he's associated with us? Is this going to be more headache than it's worse? Blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to see a lot more of that in the movies. I really do. I mean, just look at what happened with, uh, uh, with James Gunn at Disney. Like when tweets that are totally public got resurfaced like 10 years later. It's like, I'm sorry, Disney, you knew about the tweets. I still say to this day, I love Alan Horn. I do, but I'm sorry. Disney knew about those tweets when they hired him. When I was hiring people at AMC and at Collider, I got one of my people, usually my assistant to go through the Twitter or Facebook history of one of the people we were looking at hiring because I needed to know if there were any big red flags. And if a nothing person like me is doing that, you know Disney's doing it. So Disney totally knew about the tweets. They say they didn't. That's a lie. They totally knew about it and then pretended like, oh, we didn't know about these 10-year-old tweets. Anyway, so with situations like that, with Army Hammer, I think you're going to see the Hollywood industry get go really, really take a lot more careful time in looking who they attach because guess what? Disney's $140 million project in Death on the Nile is sitting on a shelf because one of their actors in the movie has gotten themselves in a bunch of trouble. And it could happen very well to Next Goal Wins as well. Uh, And Angel... Again, in the live chat, saying something incredibly stupid. Uh, Army Hammer just seemed to get canceled for no reason. Angel, go do a little bit of reading, man, before you say stupid stuff like that. Go do a little bit of reading before you say stupid stuff like that. There's some really, really fucking serious, serious stuff that that is hanging over his head. So, yeah, it's it's not for nothing. He's in trouble. He's in trouble. And nobody wants to be associated with him. And here's the thing, too. It's funny watching all these armchair quarterbacks at home going, oh, no, I would still have him in my movie. Bull fucking shit. If you had all of your money on the line, all of your money was on the line, would you put somebody in your movie that could very well drive most of the audiences away and just bring a whole lot of controversy around your thing and almost guarantees you're going to lose your money? No, you wouldn't. So shut up. You totally wouldn't. You totally wouldn't. It's it, it's just, uh, sorry, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. Um, it's just, uh, it, it's, it, it's tough. And now you've got these big $100 million plus projects that are basically sitting on the shelf because somebody in one of their movies did some, did some stupid shit. And it's, it's, Man, it's a nightmare if you're a director. It's an absolute nightmare if you're a director. So it's it's tough. And listen, a lot of people, uh, ir- by the way, Ear Gio Rigo sends in a, a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Like a lot of people will say, like somebody's saying, and I, and I understand this perspective, I do. 
I understand this perception in here. Somebody's saying is, you know, Kevin Spacey is, in, is innocent until proven guilty. Absolutely, 100% in a court of law. But again, when you're a studio and you can lose hundreds of millions of dollars because let's face it, like Kevin Spacey's a remarkable, remarkable talent. You know, I'm a, I'm a big, the actor, Kevin Spacey. I'm a big fan of the acting ability of Kevin Spacey, but he's been hit by so many things from so many different angles. If you're a studio, you're like, I can't risk putting that guy in my movie. And you don't owe it to an actor to put an actor in your movie. And if that actor comes to represent an actual risk to your investment, then you don't put that actor in your movie. If putting an actor in your movie is going to put your investment at risk, you don't do it. And all these people say, I would do it. Bullshit. No, you wouldn't. And if you would, you're going to go out of business really fast. It just puts everybody in a really bad spot. And that's all I'm saying is it, it's created a really tough, hard, difficult uh, like um, circumstances for a lot of these actors and a lot of these studios. And it's just like, listen, you know, Kevin Spacey may or may not have been found guilty in the court of law right now, but there's so many things hanging over him and there are charges pending and all this kind of stuff. Do you put him in your movie right now? Because you don't owe it to him to put him in your movie. Do you put him in your movie right now? You don't. Because it's going to cost you your investment. It's tough, man. It's tough. It really sucks that real world drama has such an impact on our fantasy world of movies. It really is unfortunate. And there's no, I'm not sitting here pretending there's an easy answer. There's not. There's no easy answers to this. All I'm saying is that it sucks for everybody involved. It's put, it puts movies on a shelf that can't be viewed. And it just sucks, man. It just sucks. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it is what it is. And Carla is saying what everybody's thinking. Just replace him with Christopher Plummer. I know that was the joke a long time ago until, of course, the great Christopher Plummer passed away. But that was the joke for a long time. Just swap. Somebody even did a deep fake. Did you guys see that? Somebody did a deep fake of the that last trailer of Death on the Nile that came out forever ago. But every time it was Army Hammer on screen, they put Christopher Plummer's face on it. I just about died when I saw that. I just about died when I saw that. Anyway, okay. Sorry. Let's keep going here. Um, next up. But yeah, it sucks for Taika Waititi, man. It totally does. Uh, Jillowatch. Jellywatch writes, one of two. Or one, tw one of 21. Oh, no. Just one of two. Writes, hey, John. Um, nine perfect strangers just dropped their first three episodes on Hulu. I wasn't very excited for the show, but it sounded interesting. And I love Nicole Kidman. I love Nicole Kidman too. So I decided to give it a shot. Wow. This show is excellent. So far, the character interactions are interesting and the overall vibe of the show is both nurturing and somehow sinister. Everyone feels real and complex. The show feels as though it could take a dark turn any moment. And I'm loving it. I'm glad to hear that man, because I'll be honest with you. Like it's got a killer cast. Um, um, what's the guy's name from Ant-Man Bobby Carnival Car Carnivali. I keep forgetting how to say his name. Bob is it Bobby Carnival. Anyway, but I think it's, it's got Bobby Carnival. If I'm saying his name, right. Uh, Luke Evans is in it. Um, uh, Melissa McCarthy is in it. Who just had an Academy Award nomination recently. Obviously Nicole Kidman. Um, it's, it's an interesting looking cast, but 
Oh, you guys, it's Cannaval. Cannaval, not Carnival. I kept kept I keep saying Carnival. Cannaval. Anyway. But I saw the trailer for it a while ago. And I thought the trailer was quite dull. I thought the trailer was dull. But now, again, we've seen lots of bad trailers to, to good movies or good or good TV shows. So maybe that's one of the circumstances here. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been pumped to see it. I'm glad you saw it, though, and you say it's really good. So I might have to check it out at some point. All right. Thanks for thanks for the recommendation, 1.21 Jillowatts. I appreciate that very much, man. All right. Teddy Wren writes, John. I think people are overcomplicating the multiverse explanation without saying it blatantly. I think it's obvious why the sacred timeline is sacred. It's the timeline, this iteration of Kang. He who remains comes from uh, her one by destroying the others. Probably meant he. He won by destroying the others. He's not going to destroy all of existence and he's not going to kill himself. So he killed the rest and just watches for branches. He's watched it replay over and over, just combs through it. Uh, the sacred timeline is simple. It's his timeline. I don't think, I got to say, Teddy, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't think you are, though. If you just go back and watch that episode of Loki, the way they described it, it didn't sound like that. Now, again, you could be 100% right. You could be 100% right about that. Um, but no, I I think as you go back and look at, um, as you go back and look at how everything was explained, it, it doesn't seem to, to measure up to that. It, that doesn't seem to fit. But then again, I could just be misinterpreting the way it was explained in the show and you could be very well right. We'll have to wait and see. So right now I disagree, but who knows? Maybe it'll turn out that you're right about that, my friend. All right. Uh, by the way, Derek Thomas Pierce Phillips sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, we got uh, Mark 2021 writes, hey, John, somebody wrote in about the actor playing Polka Dot Man was the animated Batman. Another fact, he played Joker's henchman in The Dark Knight. Yes, he did. He was the the, the fake cop. Uh, quick Google search, David. Uh, I never know how to pronounce his last name. The Dark Knight. You'll know who I'm talking about. Oh, no, we remember him. We remember him from that. That's what I mostly remember him from, as a matter of fact. It's so cool that that guy who is just you know, has played these little small parts a lot, has just become, like, has been able to get his big break, per se, right? Has just seemed to be able to get his big break, so it's good to see. Good on him. Good on him. All right. Um, what if I'm not anonymous rights? Hey, John, just wanted to know, will you at least check out the Star-Lord T'Challa episode of What If? I did. I watched it. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was great. But I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a step up from the Captain Carter one, so I'll be interested to see if they continue to evolve. We'll, we'll see. We'll keep our eyes open. All right, next up. Um, Diego writes, John, I just had a personal question for you. It seems like there is just an absolute overload of entertainment news dropping right now. How do you keep track of it all? Uh, how do you separate this job and life? Hope you and the family are well. Thanks. Well, I mean... There's a reason why we put as many hours into making an episode of the John Campus show as we do. Uh, by the way, Richard Lloyd sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate that, man. Um, and so, like, first of all, I spend in the evening, I spend two to three hours in the evening just going through all the news sources. Like, there's literally, I, I take my laptop, 
I go and sit out in my backyard. I sit beside the pool. I fire up the fire pit. I look over at the mountains and I sit there for a few hours just going through all the news sources. And what I initially do is I start like um, highlighting and flagging all stories that could be interesting to do. Then once I've gone through everything, I go through all my flag stories and I kind of pick out which ones could be potentials to go. Then from there, once I got those, I set those aside. And then I go through all the messages that you guys send in to thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys go to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact, you guys see a form, you fill it out with your topic or question. So I go through all those and we get like one to 200 of those a day. So I go through all of those and I start cross-matching which questions have come in that I've already kind of noted was a big story myself. What questions are coming in that are pointing out really big issues that I had not found myself in the news feed search and all that kind of stuff. And from there, I go through a process of winding it down to the three or four or five topics that we'll discuss in a day. Then the following morning, hours before we do the John Campia show, we go revisit quickly all the news sources to see if anything big has dropped. Like today, we had the new Eternals trailer drop today. So, that's kind of how I stay on top of it. Balancing family, which is just me and Anne, but fam man managing family and work is important. It's really to our advantage that both Anne and I work from home because even though we both work a lot, we're always able to connect through the day. Whether it's making sure we're having lunch together, making sure we, we always have dinner together, we eat together, and sometimes we're able to have the evening together and sometimes we're not. But the fact that both of us work from home really works to our advantage there. So uh, yeah, so that's that's always good. Hey, thank you for the question, Diego. I appreciate that. All right. Next up, uh, we go to Ishmael Montoya who writes, Hey, John, Anthony Mackie has reportedly closed a deal. We talked about this earlier on the show, has reportedly closed a deal to officially star in Captain America 4. If this goes through, uh, this means it will be his first solo MCU feature. What are your thoughts? FYI, your excitement made me pre-purchase my Shang-Chi tickets. Dude, listen, you may or may not like the movie as much as I do, but I feel very confident you're going to like it. That's my thing about Shang-Chi. You won't all like it. Some of you will like it more than I do, but you won't all like Shang-Chi as much as me. But I feel really confident the vast majority of you are going to like it, at least like it. You're going to watch this movie and have a good time. Now, whether you think like I do, like it was your favorite comic book movie since Logan, that's your mileage may vary. That's going to be up to each individual person and your own individual experience. So... But what I do feel confident about is that you're going to like it. And yeah, we talked a little bit about the, uh, I think it's great. I, I mean, ultimately, I still want Chris Evans to come back to be Captain America again. But I'm totally good with Anthony Mackie leading a couple because I really did grow to appreciate his new iteration of Captain America. So let's see him, let's give him a go at it for a while. So I think it's good. All right, next up, uh, we go to Christian uh, who tips in like $50. Thank you, Christian, so much. And Christian writes in one of two, Hey, John and fellow members of the Campia's co-conspirators. I love the show and your movie was great. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. I wanted to ask if you feel the passion and creativity of the industry is being harmed by the current negative climate. As a customer, 
I uh, many times feel not motivated to go out to the movies because of this. I haven't been to the movies in over two years. Well, you know, a year and a half of the pandemic. We'll add to that, too. Between negative clickbait videos and companies airing their dirty laundry publicly, what helps keep you motivated to go see the movies? Listen, Christian, you're not alone. You know, the negative toxic environment, which right now isn't as bad as it was a little while ago. It's, I honestly don't, I mean, it's still out there, but it's not as bad as it was a little while ago, but the negative entitlement, toxic pandemic in online fandom has been damaging to, to movies, to the fan community. It's been totally damaging. I remember once even, uh, what's the name of, um, not is it Macquarie? The, the, the director that Tom Cruise works with a lot, I think it's Macquarie. I could be saying it wrong, but I think it's Macquarie. But I remember a little while ago, he even came out and said, oh yeah, I'm never going to direct a Star Wars movie. I look at how those fans are acting. I, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm never going to direct a Star Wars movie. And it's like, can you, Christopher Macquarie, thank you, CCRB. Thank you for that. That's who it is. CRB in the live chat put that in there for me. But do you guys remember that? When everything just started getting so toxic with a bunch of Star Wars fans, like we literally had filmmakers who were saying, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't want to have anything to do with Star Wars. Look at the fandom of it. It's poisonous. I don't want anything to do with that. And he was the only one saying it publicly. But if he's saying it publicly, you know there are other filmmakers feeling the same way. And it's not only limited to Star Wars either. So even on that level, you've got probably filmmakers, probably some very talented filmmakers that are like, yeah, no thanks, I don't want to make that DC movie. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to make a Star Wars movie. Yeah, no thanks. I don't want to make a Marvel movie because just because the fandoms involved with it are just way too poisonous and toxic at times, which sucks because they only represent a minority of the real fans, but it is what it is. And then on top of that, to your point, Christian, it unfortunately balloons out and it'll turn off other casual fans, right? I mean, we talked about this before. We've had people writing in to say, yeah, I just stopped watching comic book movies because all I hear is shit from people all the time. And it, it literally chases off and scares away potential fan members. When the fan community makes it not fun to be a part of the fan community, you're killing the fan community. And there are people out there who just see it as their job in life to make the fan community a poisonous, terrible place to be. There just are. There are some of those people out there. And, and to a degree, I think all of us, um, I think all of us probably contribute to that a little bit from time to time. I don't believe there's just, you know, a group of five people you point at them and say, they, they are the problem. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's in, even in all of us. I'm sure I contribute to it. I'm sure you contribute to it in small ways, probably here and there. But yeah, uh, I think the biggest threat to the fan community and to movies themselves is the fan community itself. But again, I say that optimistically because I feel like over the past number of months, I feel like it's been getting better. Maybe. I feel like it has. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong about that, but maybe it is. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, by the way, Kevin Bloom sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, dude. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Christian who writes, 
I probably should have added overcoming our own laziness and shorter attention spans to that question as well. I wish you all well and would love to hear from the Viceroy of Verisimilitude if he's available. Obviously, Rob's never here on Thursdays, unfortunately. But yeah, that's, that's very self-aware, Christian. That is very, very self-aware. I appreciate that, dude. All right, next up. Jacob Albert writes, one of seven. Okay, buckle in, guys. Hey, John, today I have no question for you. Okay, but but it's a seven-parter. Okay, today I have no question for you. I just want to thank you for your YouTube videos and for who you are as a person. It sounds like an eternity to me, but I saw you for the first time and started actively following you after your Arrow After Show recap reviews. That's going back a little bit. I remember those videos. Those were good times. Um, in late 2013, at that time, I was still recovering from my first breakup with my girlfriend, working at my dad's junkyard, and I just finished college and didn't know what to do with my life. In my more depressing years, I watched you almost every day, your recap videos when you were at AMC, then at Collider, and now again on your own channel. I may not always agree with your opinions, but I have always respected them. Your videos inspired me to leave the family business and find something of my own. And now, after eight years, I have a great job as a prison guard where I listen to your companion videos. I started my own YouTube channel, which doesn't have much viewership, but I have it as a hobby where I review movies, TV shows, and share my opinions on all sorts of news from around the world of cinematography. That's awesome. Uh, but the best thing is that my wife and I have celebrated our first wedding anniversary, and we are also expecting our first child. That's awesome, dude. Congrats. A little girl, Linda. So... I want to thank you, John, for being on this long journey with me all the time. And if you ever find yourself in the Czech Republic with Ann, Robert, or other John Campus Show members, you will always have an open door at my doorstep. Hope you make videos until I die and beyond. Thanks, John, and bring on the filthy. Aw, dude, thank you so much for that. That is so nice. First of all, I love hearing about, um, about stuff like that, about people who have overcome certain... Um, uh, certain, you know, problematic times in life, certain challenges in life, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I love hearing about that. And then people who have come out on the other side, I love hearing about that. And then people who come out on the other side, that is fantastic to me. I love hearing it. So thank you, Jacob, for being along on the long journey with us. Thank you for being here today. And I love hearing about all this stuff and congrats on the upcoming birth of your daughter, dude. That is awesome. So th thank you for sharing all that, dude. That just put a smile on my face. It's gonna make me feel good all day. Thanks for that, man. All right. Uh, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John and Rob, in your opinion, having seen Shang-Chi, would you say this is a movie you can go into knowing spoilers and still enjoy, or is it one where I should avoid spoilers at all costs? Because with the situation of COVID in Australia, uh, in Australia, um, it's unlikely that I'll be going to the theater for the rest of the year with cases spiking and the slow vaccine rollout. That's a really good question. That's a really, really good question. Um, you know what? I'll say this. Other than what studios give us in trailers, the more you can go into Shang-Chi clean, the better. That being said, I don't think, I don't think Shang-Chi is ruined for you if you did know all the spoilers. I mean, it'll, it'll deaden some of the big fun moments, but, Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if I knew all the key spoilers of Shang-Chi before seeing it, it would have taken away the surprise, but 
but I think I still would have enjoyed it every bit as much. I think. I, I, I don't know for sure, though. But look, everybody has different tolerance levels. Um, everybody has different tolerance levels of what a spoiler is for them and how much is too much or how much is okay. So it depends on person to person. So I can't answer that question for you. All I can tell you is that um, for me, I think if I saw or if if I knew some of the spoilers, I probably would have still been okay. But just because that's for me, that might not be the same. The true that might not be true for you as well. So I would say try to safeguard yourself against them if you can. But I personally, and I can only speak for myself, I personally don't think it's the end of the world. If you happen to stumble across them, that's just my take on it. All right. Next up, we got the Wakandan forever who writes, what if more like as if King T'Challa, what are you doing? A space renegade and an outlaw. I don't understand it. I never thought I'd see the day. Okay. I will stop pretending. Woo. I absolutely loved it. My new favorite animated series, Wakanda forever. Yeah. Again, I personally, I didn't think it was great. I still don't think it was great, but it was good. I did like it, and it was a step up from the last one. And it was really cool to see how if T'Challa had been picked up by the Ravengers, that he could have changed all of them just with his personality type, right? And I thought that was an interesting take. And unlike Captain Carter, which was just, let's basic, basically tell the story of Captain America, but just swap who had the super soldier serum. Unlike that, this was a totally original story. Yeah. Tavon was in, it had some similar uh, players involved, but it was a different story. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Again, I didn't think it was great, but it was good. And let's see where the show uh, evolves from there. All right. Next up, we got an anonymous viewer who writes, Oh no, we already had, um, uh, so we go up to Jack Lumber's rights. Are you watching SummerSlam this Saturday? I will not. I'm going to be out of town on Saturday, so I won't be watching SummerSlam. Will you be watching SummerSlam this Saturday? Also, who do you have to win, Roman Reigns or John Cena? Uh, well, they're trying to promote. Um, they're trying to promote what you call it, uh, Suicide Squad more right now. So I bet the deal is to have him win. So I think John Cena will probably win. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not even going to be watching it. So my guess is going to be John Cena because they're trying to promote uh, Suicide Squad right now. So that's my guess. All right. Sergeant Ward writes, I don't know if you heard, but apparently Stallone wrote on his Instagram the working title for Expendables 4, A Christmas Story, and it's a spinoff for Jason Statham's character. It begins filming in October. What do you think of this news? I think, yeah, I came across this. I think it's like, I'll believe it when they actually start rolling cameras because it's great. I think it's great that Stallone is saying this, but... Until I hear a studio saying that they've actually they're putting their money behind it and a studio actually say we're going to finance this and we're going to make it go and we're giving it a green light. Until I hear a studio say it, I'm going to remain skeptical because we've heard Stallone, who I love, but we've heard Stallone say stuff like this before and have it not necessarily work out. So I would be interested in seeing a new Expendables, particularly one that focuses a little bit more on Jason Statham's character. But again, I'll believe it when a studio actually steps up and says, yes, we'll put the money behind it and we'll make it go. When that happens, and maybe that'll happen tomorrow. Maybe that'll happen tomorrow. But until that happens, I'll be a little bit dubious about it, to be honest with you. All right. 
Last question of the day comes to us from Lumdog, who writes, Hey, John, The Last of Us is my favorite video game of all time. The HBO series has begun shooting in Calgary in the largest ever production in Canada, and I have high hopes. What does this series need to achieve in order to break the video game curse? Uh, just be a good movie or just be a good series. Just be good. And there's no one element. Everybody wants to always look for a formula. Everybody wants there to be a formula, right? They want, um, they want to hear that there's one thing. I'll just have this in it and that'll make it good. And that's normally nonsense. Really executing a great story is much broader. It's much broader. It means implanting excellence in this every scene and in every character and writing it with, as Rob would say, with verisimilitude and putting dramatic weight behind every single line. It doesn't matter if they're sitting around opening a can of soup or if they're off fighting 20 clickers. It doesn't matter. It's not about what do you got? You got to put this in it and that'll make the movie good. Nonsense. Nonsense. You know, one of the examples I use a lot uh, as we look at comic book movies is things like, you know, uh, everybody loves Dr. Doom, but guess what? Just putting Dr. Doom in a Fantastic Four movie did not make Fantastic Four a good movie. We've seen several times that they've taken one of the greatest comic book villains of all time and dropped him in. That didn't make any good. And so or it makes me laugh when I see, especially in comic book things, you know, if they had made this guy the villain, the movie would have been better. Bullshit. It wouldn't have changed a thing. The story would have been altered a bit, but they didn't put excellence into every single line, into every single character, into every single moment of the movie. That's what makes the movie good or bad. Not about whether you had certain ingredients from a formula put into it or not. It's about the overall execution of the project. So what do they need to do? They need to make something good. And listen, nobody, nobody, not Netflix, not Disney, not anybody else. Nobody does series as well as HBO. They are the best. Netflix is also excellent. Netflix does an excellent job with their series. But nobody beats HBO. HBO is next level. Their level of consistency and excellence with their original uh, series is next not every single one obviously not every single one but their win to loss ratio when it comes to original series is like on another level they just make the most iconic stuff ever so i really believe i really believe that they're going to deliver something great i really believe they're going to deliver something great i think they're just going to put all the right resources into it they're going to have a quality control to it i just believe because they have just shown over and over again that they have a track record of excellence and i believe they're going to do that with this at least i hope so fingers crossed we'll have to wait and see all right guys listen there are still more questions to come from uh willow ted aaron and others do not worry we will get picked up on that on a companion video a little bit later tonight but guys for now that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Special thanks to Aaron and Kim for bringing their points of view as well. And a special thank to all of you guys who sent in the live comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. 
Okay, guys, remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.